We went to Walgreens right after Halloween. They're already set up for Christmas. Even before Thanksgiving, right? And the world's commercialized Christmas. We all know that. I'm not going to preach a negative message. Our theme today is worship. We came to worship the Christ child who grew up to be the Savior. I said he came to save us from our sins. How many know that's worth worshiping the Lord over? And uh, I think when you read the different uh, accounts in the Gospels, you see the true spirit of Christmas throughout the Gospels. And I love to look at all the stories and see their reactions. And uh, as I look through, again, reading through the Nativity and reading through the Gospels and uh, Christmas story again this year, you know, after 22 years, two, 22 Christmases, Melissa and I have spent with you. And uh, can you hear the babies crying in the nursery? It's not my grandchildren. I don't know whose children that is. It can't be mine. Anyway, you, you read through the Gospels and you um, you can see the theme and uh, the nativity. It's always beautiful to see all the different characters. And so I'll get right into it. But uh, they all seeming to give us the clear statement of what the spirit of Christmas really is. Uh, so many miracles surround the nativity. Uh, so many uh, things that God did in miraculous ways. He showed his mercy, gave us forgiveness, salvation favor. Amen. Came to Mary and uh, all those that were touched. In fact, I'll just go through briefly uh, to Christmas worship. Elizabeth's worship, you know, that Mary pondered uh, that Gabriel came to Mary and told him she was going to have this baby. The Holy Spirit was going to come over her, overshadow her, and that he chose her. How many know it's an awesome thing to be chosen by the Lord? And this little peasant girl, 16-year-old Hebrew girl, um, who was who was loving God and worshiping Yahweh? He uh, he came down and chose her to birth the, the child uh, that's going to save her soul and all of ours. Amen. And in Luke uh, one forty one, Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth, and the Bible says Elizabeth heard Mary's voice greeting her, and that when that happened, her baby leaped in her womb, as John the Baptist, right? You remember, and uh, and was filled with the Spirit. And Elizabeth cried out with a loud voice, Blessed among women are you, Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me, Elizabeth said, that the mother of our Lord should come to me? That's Elizabeth's reaction. It's an overwhelming reaction of worship. In fact, she worshiped, here's something, when she was worshiping, the baby was connected to her, was also filled with the Holy Spirit and worshiping in the womb. How many know the Spirit? can touch you before you're even alive physically, or he was alive physically, but before he was in this world on his own, he was worshiping the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, listen, if Jesus wasn't the Savior, there's no need for a John the Baptist. Are y'all hearing me today? But their spirits understood, and the Spirit of Christ that was in Elizabeth, in her womb even, leaped for joy at the response. That was the reaction. That was the spirit of Christmas. Uh, she's saying, who am I that the king of glory should come to me and be born in a stable and live and die such a gruesome death for somebody like me? How many know the Lord deserves praise today? Could you give him a praise? He deserves a Christmas praise. And if there was uh, no Messiah, then there was no need for John. And there was no need for uh, the forerunner of Christ and no need for Christ and there's no need for me. I'm left with nothing. 
but there is a need. How many know I needed a Savior? And God, in his fullness of time, brought forth a son, and they called his name Jesus, and he came to save us from our sins. That's, that's the spirit of Christmas, and I'm grateful today for the Lord. In Luke 167, we find another one, John the Baptist, which I just said, leaping in the womb of Mary, and uh, also his father, Zachariah's worship. Zachariah, uh, Elizabeth's husband, uh, he, uh, the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and prophesied, this is what he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. How many know over the year and the years, Every time the Lord chose to visit Oak Grove, it was favor and a blessing from the Lord. If he chose to visit your home and your house and your heart, I mean, that's favor. And hopefully you reacted and responded with the Christmas spirit with worship. That's what happened here. And he says he visited us and he accomplished redemption for his people. And he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. That tells me about the attitude of Zechariah, the attitude of Elizabeth. Right? It was an attitude of worship, grateful that God would come and give us salvation. It goes on chapter 2. Uh, the angels who appeared to the shepherds, the host of angels, even the angelic hosts are giving praise to God. How many know the Lord is not uh, desperate for your worship? How many know he deserves it? If you choose not to worship him, how many know the rocks and the trees will cry out to our God? All of creation worships the Lord, and the angelic hosts come, singing glory to God in the highest, right? And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They knew what was happening. It said, and on earth, um, uh, peace among men, whom God is pleased. What a miraculous visit. These shepherds, humble shepherds, that visit didn't come to the palace. It came to the humble shepherds in the field. Something about humility that is attractive to God. There's something about a humble heart that is wielding and yielding and surrendering itself to God in worship. It matters. Your attitude matters at Christmas. If it's all about getting and receiving and commercializing and shallow worship and shallow praise, if you have nothing to be grateful for, how I many know oh, you're missing the spirit of Christmas? I got one or two amens. If you have nothing to be grateful for, you're missing the spirit of Christmas. It's all about God giving us his son. And the least we can do is give him back our worship. And the host of angels worship. In fact, verse 20, the shepherds worship. And and uh, the shepherds went back, it says, glorifying in verse 20, and praising God for what everything that they had seen and everything that they had heard. Shepherds. I mean, they were probably wondering, what is this? Of all the people, the Lord chose to light up the sky for the shepherds to see this incredible visitation from the Lord. I don't know what you're expecting in 24, but I'm expecting the Lord to light up the sky. I'm expecting the Lord to do great and mighty things. Is anybody looking forward to a visitation from the Lord in 24? I know I am, but it takes a humble reaction. Chapter 2. We move forward and find more reactions to the first coming, to verse 25. Simeon, and, uh, and guess what he said? There was a man named Simeon, righteous and devout, 
looking for the hope of Israel, the Messiah. And it says the Holy Spirit was on him. Are you seeing a common theme? The Holy Spirit was upon all of these people who encountered God in the New Testament, in the nativity. And they all seem to be spirit anointed. The spirit of worship, Elizabeth, Zacharias, John the Baptist, that's a little baby in the, in the womb. Simeon, Anna. The Holy Spirit says was upon them all. And, and, Sam, and Simeon, the spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he see the Messiah with his very own eyes. So when they came in, eight days after Jesus' birth, they brought him to the temple, as was the custom, as was the law. Jesus obeyed to the very nth degree every law that was ever supposed to be done. He followed through. He brought the baby and Simeon, who was there, the priest in the temple, and Anna, the prophetess, was there. And they both began to worship the Lord. Let me just see if I put it up there. I did. Simeon and Anna. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if Pastor could put Oak Grove's worship up there? I wonder if it's possible. Does Oak Grove have some worship? 2,000 years from now, will anybody be saying, hey, when uh, they were presented with the gospel story, they worshiped and it was a wild time. Or everybody left just as gloom and despair and agony on me. I mean, this is the time to have the spirit of Christmas. We're talking about the Savior of the world. There's a reason Pastor got in a plane, went all the way to New Zealand. People need the Lord. We should be excited to present the gospel. We should be excited when we come in to give our praise and our worship to the Lord. It's the Christmas spirit. Are you in the spirit this Christmas? Anna said, the prophetess, verse 36, she and I, lo- I love this. She, she said, uh, she, it says she never left the temple where she served the Lord night and day. Night and day. Can that be said about you this year or the year in the f- coming? She served the Lord night and day with fastings and prayers. What a commitment. She was looking just like Simeon for that hope. What are you looking for in 2024? What are you most excited? I always ask staff. I ask everybody, mentees and everybody, hey, what are you most looking for in the year ahead? Sometimes people can't even imagine anything. It's almost like their hope is gone. If you're here and you're listening to me today and your hope is gone, just know that Jesus can restore your hope. I mean, the Lord can restore your hope. Because Satan wants to take your hope, but his, his ultimate goal is to steal your faith. But if he takes your hope first, then you have nothing to hope for, and you lose your faith. But if you keep hope alive, how I many know as long as Jesus is alive, hope is still alive. Amen? And so uh, he said, my eyes have seen, uh, my eyes have seen the glory of Israel, the light of his people, the glory of God is in his hands. He said, now your servant can depart in peace. What a worship. And Anna had the same response. Attitudes of praise and worship committed to the hope of Christ. Worship was the common theme. Matthew 2 and 2. It shows how the wise men came. The wise men worshipped. In fact, I have just a little clip of the wise men when they came. It's a minute or so. Just relax, enjoy, worship the Lord as you look at this. Help me give the Lord praise and worship. He's worthy. Here's these three kings from the east. They get to Herod. They get to Herod. They ask Herod, where is this king born of the Jews? And Herod, he, he's intimidated immediately. 
How many know every earthly king will have to bow their knee to King Jesus? Whoever thinks themselves as high and lifted up, I mean, know the Lord's going to lower them one day. They're going to bow their knees to King Jesus. A baby king. It's hard. How humbling it is to three wise men, very smart, intellectual, uh, wealthy, evidently, kings, bowing themselves to a little baby, a little toddler. And Jesus just sitting there smiling. Say, I thought he was a baby. Well, you know, Herod sent to kill every boy two years and under, so you understand. Could have been as many as two years old. Maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't. But uh, here's a toddler looking at these wise men bowing their knee to the Lord of glory. They knew. They came a long way. And they didn't come empty-handed. I guess, I guess the point today is, Oak Grove, never go to church empty-handed. In fact, it's better like this. Never go to church empty-hearted. Give him your worship. He didn't really need any more gold. I mean, no, they paved the streets with that in heaven. He doesn't need gold. He wants your praise, your worship, your heart. That's what he wants. It's a common theme. And so, wicked Herod acted like he would go. Tell me where he is. I will go and worship him too. I mean, no, he wasn't going to worship. He was going to kill. What attitude do you have this Christmas? Do you have an attitude of praise and Christmas praise and worship and humility? Or do you have an attitude that kills, destroys, knocks down, beats down, you know? That's, that's Herod. That's the spirit of the world. The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of, of praise and worship. Amen? That's the point of all of this. The other spirit is anti-Christ. It wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The spirit of Christmas is worship. It's an attitude, a spirit. It's on the inside. And so for my last example, up oh, there it was, Mary's worship. And it's found in Luke 1, 46 through 50. I'm only going to read a portion of it. But it's so powerful. It's her song, her song of praise, her song of worship. It's the Christmas narrative, and Mary is the mother of Jesus. And nobody knew Jesus on this earth more than Mary. Of course, she had him, the Lord of glory, living on the inside. Haven't had that privilege. I mean, I guess it's a privilege for ladies. Uh, I'm glad Melissa had to go through it. I was with her through the birth of our two children. I didn't feel the pain she felt until she grabbed me by the arm during the delivery. I felt a little bit of pain. It's kind of the same pain we felt when we were riding Space Mountain at Disney World. And her nails went into my skin. You did this to me, she said. So, so this is the deal. When you have been chosen and carried this life for nine months, hey, it wasn't easy. Just because she was favored didn't mean that she didn't have pain. Right? In fact, the whole birth uh, cycle and the whole birthing uh, situation is very painful, very painful. But how much did she worship? It says, listen, this is it says, verse 46. It's called the Magnificent. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Some, some versions say my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit is rejoicing in God, my Savior. 
for he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. How many know that's a powerful promise for all of us? Her reaction of worship is the only appropriate response to the nativity. She looks this baby in the eye and gives worship and sings a song of praise. What an attitude of worship. Unfortunately, people today are worshiping worship. I mean, no, you come to a worship service and people love the worship. Oh, they're packing out churches today that they have what they call good worship. Can I tell you what good worship is? It's worship that comes from a humble heart of a believer. That's good worship. It doesn't matter what song you select or what song you sing. It matters the attitude of your heart when you sing it. It matters uh, whether you understand who you're singing to or not. That's the true spirit of Christmas. And so Mary, wow, she, she had this humble heart. You regarded this humble state of your bond slave. You know, this is a worship song and reaction to verse 35, where the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. For that reason, this holy offspring will be called the Son of God. Can you imagine that? And here this little 16-year-old Hebrew young girl burst out with worship. My soul. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit, my spirit reacts to the news that God has humbly used me. Now, I don't mean any disrespect for Catholic people. I was born and raised Catholic. But I want you to understand, they have a different meaning and thought about Mary, the mother of God, than the Bible portrays. You don't have to say, amen, I'm about to do a little bit of teaching. How many know Mary is not the object of worship? Mary is the worshiper. She's worshiping Jesus. How many know if you turn that thing around, you have what you call a Mary cult? Y'all don't believe me, but if you take a little trip down to Louisiana, you'll see. You wonder who's God, Mary or Jesus? There's statues of Mary everywhere. How many know he's the Messiah, not the other way around? Jesus didn't receive any divine nature from Mary. It was all human nature. The divine nature came from the Holy Spirit. Yes, she was favored. Yes, she was from the lineage of David. All of that was important. But her humble heart was the main reason I believe the Lord selected her. Never pervert this truth. If you do, then you begin to worship the wrong one. Jesus is the object of worship. I hate that because I have family and friends that are caught up. And if you told one of them that they actually are worshiping Mary, they would be offended. They don't even have a clue cognizantly what their teaching is. But if you read the Vatican one or R2, or if you see, in fact, they believe five things. I'll give them to you real quick. It's very cultish. Catholicism believes that five things. Number one, immaculate conception. That doesn't mean that Jesus was conceived immaculate. They believe that Mary was immaculately conceived by her mother, which means, number two, that she lived a sinless life all of her life. I mean, no, that's not true. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mary wasn't deity. 
You don't have to preach, but I'm going to keep on going. It leads to number three. They teach her perpetual virginity, that she never knew a man all of her life, preserving her purity. But the Bible never says that. The Bible says she knew Joseph and they had other kids like James and Jude. Read the Bible. Don't be deceived. Don't believe. If you believe, oh, that's just a little lie. They just, no, no, no. It's a big lie. It'll lead you to perversion in real truth. You begin to worship the other thing. The fourth thing they believe is the assumption of Mary, that she actually bodily resurrected. I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. You know when that's going to happen? Whenever we all bodily resurrect. Come on, how many know she's going to go up with the rest of us? She may go up before us. I guess the dead in Christ will rise up first, right? But not without seeing death. And the fifth thing they believe is that Mary, when she got into heaven, she assumed a place of of a queen of heaven, a position of authority and sovereignty. Basically, the idea is that the whole redemptive plan of man rested on Mary, whether she said yes to the angel or not. That's perversion. God didn't need Mary. God chose Mary to fulfill his wishes, not to get permission to be able to save our sin. Are you hearing me? And this magnificent broke out in worship. She's a worshiper, not the object of worship. I just wanted to give a little clarity. It speaks to all of us about the true spirit of Christmas. Do you want to look a little closer at it or you want to go home? I thought you wanted to look a little closer. First of all, we see her attitude of worship. She exalts the Lord and she says, uh, my soul exalts or magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is soul worship. It's internal. It's internal. It's attitude of worship. It's internal. It's from her heart of hearts. Aren't you glad God doesn't judge the outward, but he looks at your heart? So I had this experience when I came to Springfield. Because when you change cultures, how many know cultures are different? If you were in, uh, if you were in a Hispanic, total Hispanic culture today, it would be Laza Viva. Ah, senora? Viva! Hallelujah. Not Viva Las Vegas. Just Viva La Cristo. Hallelujah. There's life in Jesus. It's full of life, full of life, lots of worship, long worship, loud worship, expressive worship. It's exciting. And if you go some other places, it's very lethargic. Yes, exactly. Like that. Very lethargic. But God had to do something for me because I'm a demonstrative Pentecostal from South Louisiana. He had to do something in me. Because I asked the Lord, hey, I've changed cultures, and I'm not sure. In Louisiana, I'd say good morning. We'd have a Jericho march. Over here, I can pull my ears, hang my head, dance with a hat. It doesn't matter what I do. It's still like cricket, cricket. And the Lord said, hey, it's not how loud you worship. It's how deep you worship. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. I remember I had a deacon in my last church, and we'd have a whole bunch of powerful services. We've had them here, too. I'm not trying to uh, put anything on you. I'm just trying to say there is differences in respect to uh, expression of your worship, outward expression. But I couldn't, I, I don't think Mary could help herself. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. So this deacon came up to me one day, and 
He's super, super introverted. I mean, you say boo, I think he'd pass out, right? But he's six foot two, Michael Bickford, and he's a state trooper, the lieutenant. Uh, uh, he's a lieutenant at the state police of Louisiana. Don't mess with this guy. And though he's quiet, he can take you down pretty quick. And he said to me, Pastor, today was such a powerful service. And although it looked like I was doing nothing on the outside, he said, on the inside, it's the 4th of July. I said, praise God. How many feel right now that it's the 4th of July in your spirit? See, you can clap. You can clap. (laughs) And so it's internal. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's from her guts. That might, you might not forget that. It's from her inner man. It's your inward man. It rises up from the inside. It's not a performance driven worship or simply singing or giving activity. It's more than a song like today is more than communion. It's more than eating bread and drinking juice. It's more than that. It's an expression of worship. It's more than putting a tithe in the offering plate. It's an expression of worship. It's more than gold and frankincense and myrrh. We understand they came a long way to pay homage to the king. To show him. Nobody forced Mary to sing. It wasn't shallow. It wasn't surface. It was deep-seated. The one she's feeding is feeding her soul. It's more, it's more, it involves your personal, moral, mental, emotional, spiritual state. You gotta be engaged. It involves the heart, the mind, the will, the shalom. It involves your whole being. God's not just getting a mental part of you, or even maybe just a physical. There are some that come in and only give a physical clap, but there's no emotional attachment, or no spiritual attachment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The opposite could be true. For the introvert, it can be true for the extrovert. But how many know there should be a Christrovert? A Christrovert. I just made that up. Google it. Maybe somebody made it up before me. But the Bible, but the Bible says she gave her whole heart. What about your level of worship today? This is deep. From the very, very heart. Not shallow or, or surface but very significant worship. It isn't just showing up for church to be a spectator of a ceremony or ritual uh, or some mechanical singing. Nobody forced her, coerced her, or made her worship the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick of this culture's shallow attempt of worship. In fact, it doesn't matter if you black out the lights. I mean, if your soul is black, you can light it up or black it out. It ain't going to matter if your soul is black. Your soul is dark. Are you hearing me? Can't worship out of that. There has to be light in your soul. Most of what's called worship today is superficial, has no depth at all to the one who is being worshipped. Mary willingly engaged her mind to think on the goodness of God, her creator. I don't have time, but I wish we could just take a moment to think about the goodness of the Lord. If we just took a second, just a second, to think of how good he's been. Even on your worst day, I mean, oh, he's still worthy of worship. Isaiah 29, 13, they took it serious in the Old Testament. Uh, I mean, I think I have it up here. 
Yeah, therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. Her attitude of worship was not only internal, it was intense, pretty intense. It doesn't have to, you know, you know, I told, I told you, Old Grove, when I first got here 22 years ago, I said, you don't have to worry about me acting like a Comanche Indian, and I won't worry about you acting like a wooden Indian. Remember that? So you've put up with me all these years, so I put up with you. Because it's not about culture. It's about the Christ. It's about the Christ. I just can't help it. When I think about his, his goodness and all he's done for me, it makes me want to worship. Amen? And so engage yourself. David said, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He also said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So the real spirit of Christmas, right, is not only internal, but it's intense. My soul magnifies the Lord. The word magnify comes from the word, uh, Greek word. It it means uh, mega, mega, okay? To enlarge, to magnify, to make bigger, to make bigger. You know what? I'm going to pray for you this year that you make your praise bigger for God in 2024. Wherever you are, what level of praise you're on, maybe maybe your vocabulary is limited. If you don't pray out loud, if you don't read the Bible out loud, if you don't sing out loud, you're, you're limiting yourself to learning vocabulary. We teach our children vocabulary. They actually sing it A, B, C, D, E, F, G. If they just get into the rhythm, right? H, I, J, K. I'm not going to make you sing. You get the point, maybe today. Or you don't get the point, you'll just go away. There's rhyme, there's rhythm. In fact, all the songs they sing as babies and nurseries is the same theme, same rhythm. Are you hearing me? It's the same rhythm, right? And so they teach praise. They teach through praise. The more you voca- uh, vocalize, the bigger your vocabulary gets. It enlarges. It's be- becoming bigger, more intensified, giving mega praises to the Lord, meaning it's growing. My soul exalts. My spirit rejoices in God. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a spontaneous burst of worship. I don't know, have you ever been going along driving in your car and all of a sudden a spontaneous worship comes on? Not on the radio, in your spirit. See, if you have, if you have engaged into worship when the note is hit on the piano or the guitar, then you've missed true soul worship. Worship is not connected to a song. The song is connected to your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth sings. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so, so Jesus came to save us from eternal damnation. How I many know oh, that's worth praising him for? <laughs> so he deserves more. He expects more than shallow, superficial worship. It should evoke a highest praise, intense worship. She encountered the divine, divine presence of God and was forever changed. So Malachi says, concerning the offerings of Israel, uh, it means mega, so listen to this. Malachi and Amos have much to say of shallow, sad worship. 
Malachi said, you say, how tired we are of all this. How many of you get tired of mundane, mechanical worship? Don't worry, I get tired of it too. But boy, I've been under the, I've been under the trees in Mexico when we didn't have nothing but acoustic guitar under the coffee bean trees in Mexico. And the Spirit of the Lord fell. Why? Because the praises of man went up. And when praise goes up, how I many know oh, the glory comes down? Maybe you don't want any glory down, therefore you send no praise up. But if your glory down is determined by the praise you send up, you're living in the glory you choose to. You understand? If it's determined by your praise that you send, the glory coming down, then maybe that's why you're not walking in that power. So concerning the offerings of Israel, you brought me these torn, lame, sick offerings. Should I accept your worst May, uh, uh, animal, you're blind, you're lame, the broken, that's what you're going to give me? In other words, don't come to church acting like somebody should be impressing you. That's not why we go to church. But in the me church, in the me worship, in the me culture, you come in and sit down and say, okay, what you got for me today, preacher? Come on, worship team. Oh, I didn't really get anything. You ever walk out of church and say, I didn't really get anything out of that today. Shame on you. Because you only get in what you put out. Right? And so Malachi was serious. And Amos, he had a pretty serious word too. You want to see what he said? I hate all your show and pretense. Hate's a big word. The hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. Yikes. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. What? Let's get back to Mary, did you know? This is heavy. I just want to sing a little hymn and go home. Take away from me your noisy songs. The melody of your harps. I will not even listen to them. Wow. How many things God's pretty serious when it comes to worship? And it's easy for all of us to do. They did it in the Old Testament. How many know we do it in the New Testament? We do it. And so take away from me this noise, he says. It's, it sickens me. Basically, that's the intensity. And Mary's worship was also intense, continual, or also uh, humble. But, uh, but I, I, will, I will deal with intense and, and, and uh, intentional for just a bit, and I'll end on humble. Mary's praise was intentional. I think our praise should be uh, a habit. My soul magnifies the Lord. It was, yeah, it was instantaneous. Yes, it was. It was at the moment. Of course it was at the moment. I mean, when God does big things, we should celebrate it. But it was also continual. You know, when I first got saved, I mean, I was a worshiper. Nobody had to tell me. I came to church prayed up and praising God. I was ready. I sat on the front pew. I sat on the front pew. In Bible school, I sat in the front desk. I didn't want to miss nothing. I already missed 18 years of my life. I didn't want to miss nothing else. I wanted everything God had for me. Altar call was given. I don't care what they want. I don't care what it was. I didn't even need healing. If you're healing, there I was. I'll take a healing. What else does God have? I'll take that too. I was needy. I wanted more. I was hungry. I was desperate. I wanted God. They said he could give me this and he could give me that. And I needed all of it. And that precious gift of the Holy Spirit. How many remember when you had that? 
or even at least a desire for that. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. I went all the time. But it became a habit. Not a habit like mechanical, but a hunger that was continual. An action, present and future tense, not related to one event. It's good that you rejoice when you first get saved. But how many know you got to keep on rejoicing and never stop? The only time I ever stopped rejoicing was when I got arrogant and proud, as if God owed me something. And listen, folks, just in case you think I'm preaching to somebody that I haven't experienced, I've been to church where I had that attitude. What's God, you know, I say what God has for me, but I'm actually leaning on the people on the platform to give me something I need. Sometimes I even go into revivals. Certain speaker would come. I say, God can meet my need through brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And I'd go to that revival. I want them to lay hands on me. How many know the laying on of hands is extending from man, human, to extend to the hand of God? How many know it's the hand of God we need? There's no celebrities on the platform. There's nobody can give you what you need. Only Jesus. That's Christmas praise. That's the spirit of Christmas. Only Jesus can meet the need. We stand in proxy. But he's the real. I said he's the real one, right? And so we worship. And uh, our worship should never be altered by our circumstances. I see it all the time. We learn in everything to give thanks. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul said. And again I say, rejoice. David says his praise is continually in my mouth. It's a way of life. It's a habit of worship because the object of our worship never changes. How many know he's the same God? His promises never change. His covenant never change. His spirit never change. His ways never change. His words never change. No matter what, our worship should never be altered. Or to put it another way, never connect your worship to your outward circumstances. So that if outwardly things are not going well, you're down. Now all of a sudden your worship is down. And I've been there when I've been sick. I preached sick. Two weeks or three weeks ago I preached six. So so you just got to keep preaching. Or let the frog preach. You know what I mean? Just preach. Because people are expecting to get up there and preach. So I preach and I sang and I worship when I didn't feel good. Why? Not because it's my job. Because he deserves it. How many gave your heart to Jesus? How many gave your heart to Jesus already? Let me see your hands. You gave your heart to Jesus? Let me ask you, how many gave your whole life to Jesus? Surrendered everything. Then I'm asking you today, as we take communion, give your worship. Express yourself. I told Melissa 40 years ago, said, I love you, marry me. But, but I, I had to keep on telling her continually, intentionally, with flowers and chocolate and stuff, mostly money, that I love you. So there's no praise in pride because, because you know, if you didn't get your way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You only worship on Sunday. You're missing it. Spirit of Christmas is a spirit of continual worship. Should never be connected to our comfort, but to our Christ. Amen. And finally, then uh, it's humble. No gift ever given is greater than salvation. How many are thankful for salvation this morning? That's why he came. That's why he came. 
And, uh, and so, Pastor, what's a humble heart? A humble heart is a heart that has no thought of itself. If all you're thinking about is yourself, how will this help me? Or when will this be over so I can do this? Or how, how is this going to meet my need? Or me, 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 me. If it's all about you, then you're missing the whole spirit of Christmas. The heart of Christmas as a heart that has no thought of itself. Pride is, is, is the is the epitome of self-worship. We were watching commercials over the holiday over this week, and um, commercial came on of some cologne. And lo and behold, the name of it is Myself. I mean, oh, that's the epitome of somebody who loves himself. I think I'm going to buy some cologne for myself. In fact, I think I'm going to call it Myself. Don't you love yourself? You know what that is? That's 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. In the last days, perilous times shall come, right? Men shall be lovers of themselves. Self-worship. I'm going to smell good. I want, I want to smell good. I want to feel good. I want to be good. I want everything me, 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 me. And so, pretty sad in our culture. Satan takes advantage of us, and we become ungrateful, unthankful, unholy, which is verse 2. You go and read 2 Timothy um, 3 and 2. But because we didn't get our way, our comfort level isn't met, we think it, uh, we think it should be, then, then we forget our worship, forget our praise. I only praise him when I'm comfortable. I only praise him when I get my way. I'm only grateful when I get what I want. You ever seen a child at Christmas? I know it's an immaturity deal. I know that. But if they didn't get what they want, they cry. I mean, we have adults acting like pretty bad spiritually childish and uh, we quit praising because there is no praise in pride god hates pride and actually he says hates the proud the proud person that's what the bible says but he gives grace to the humble anybody glad about that and look at mary in verse 48 for he has uh he's had regard for his handmaid that doesn't look like she's looking for worship it looks like to me she's humbled that god should select her she's humbled that the lord would choose her to have the, the Savior of the world. His bond servant, she calls herself. Just a common Hebrew girl. She never speaks about herself. She doesn't even tell her first cousin till about six months. And she didn't Facebook everybody and say, look, I've been chosen. Look, I've been chosen to have the baby. Like, 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 like me. So God chose me over all of you. Mm-hmm. So she wonders in humility how God could choose her a nobody. God chose a nobody, a nobody socially, culturally, and, and even Joseph, too, wasn't much. Joseph was chosen to follow the Messiah. Wow. Nobody. He knew they could handle it, their heart of humble heart. Mary had a connection. Blood was rolling through her veins of blood of David. And she was pure and she was godly. But David's lineage, it was, it was important. But listen, the fulfillment of choosing, it was her special, humble heart. It was her humble heart. That's what I believe it was. There's true humility. There's something special about a humble heart. A humility never really knows that, it, that you have it. When it comes to humility, you never really know you have it. Mary wasn't being braggadocious. 
God chooses the lowest to lift them to the highest. I wonder if we can find a Christmas praise at Oak Grove today. I said, I wonder if we can find a Christmas praise, an, an extravagant, intense, internal, intentional praise for our God. I, I, I wonder. And can you find the intensity, the intentional expression on the inside that affects change on the outside? Is God worthy of our praise, O Grove? The Bible says, humble yourself then under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Give him worship that he deserves this year. That's the spirit of Christmas. I want you to watch this last video of Mary, and then we're going to take communion together. Ah, Mary's heart. Mary's humble heart. Singing in Hebrew, Adonai, Almighty God. I believe she knew. How many of you think she knew? The angel Lord visited her and told her. How good is God to prepare her and then to prepare Joseph. Then to tell Elizabeth. Let Simeon know. The Holy Spirit was working all throughout the nativity. Everywhere, everybody was affected. And all of their same reaction was worship. I find it fitting today on Christmas Eve that we should gather together, stand all together, and give homage, pay homage, give honor, and worship to the King, Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you please? I want us to worship the Lord as the ushers come and prepare to give communion. I just want us to worship. You can do it. You can worship and, and receive the elements at the same time. Come on, Miss Chrissy. Let's worship the Lord.